and welcome to 9 to 42, the podcast from the team at the Guitar Show UK. Join us for interviews, updates and chat with artists, influencers and those that manufacture the gear that we love. Hello and welcome to 9 to 42, which is the podcast from the guys at the Guitar Show UK. And we need to actually have a moment, we need to be a little bit quiet. Because because Jace is still feeling a little delicate because you've been you've been poorly, haven't you, Jace? I, oh, nothing major, mate. Yes, I've just been a bit ill this week. That's all. Yes, but I do worry. <laughs> I do worry about you. I'm fine. I'm fine. I came back to work yesterday, and I've worked all day today, so I'm fine. Has anybody brought you any Lucas Aid or, or something to or some <laughs> no. Pedialyte? No, no. For the old I'm Jason fine. Isbell reference. No, I'm going to a fiftieth birthday party tonight, so I'm going to be fine. Right, all right. So you're one of the older people there. Uh, yes, thank you. <laughs> um, we are over the moon. I'm over the moon. I'm over the moon to have the the for the second guest of the series. We also have our second northerner, which I'm uh. absolutely absolutely over the moon with. Jace is finding this slightly uncomfortable. So uh, we have Chantal McGregor with us, who is a guitarist and songwriter. Chantal, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm really well. I'm really well. I always worry about Chantal as, as whether it's Chantal or Chantel. Oh, everybody calls me anything. To be fair, I get a lot worse. So, <laughs> All right. Well, I shouldn't worry too much then. And you're in a wardrobe, aren't you? I am. Yeah, literally. I'm, I'm next to the underpants and the socks. It's a bit weird. Right. Right. Well, it's weird that you should sew your pants and your socks together, but that's that's a lifestyle choice on your on your part. What's more weird is how I've just said underpants because they're not my underpants. That's even weirder because I'm a girl and I don't wear underpants. I've not. The thing is, I'm used to like a seventy-year-old saying underpants. I've not heard anybody say underpants for ages. No. To be fair, I could have said I'm next to the hankies, and that'd have really made me sound old. <laughs> the embroidered surname hanky. Well, I've got my doilies just by my side. <laughs> that just sounds northern. It does sound northern. But you're not northern anymore, are you, in terms of you're not broadcasting from the north? At the moment, no. But I am, I'm technically moving between down south and up north, and I'm somewhere about halfway up A1, I think. Right. <laughs> so why are you moving then? Why, did you, why on earth did you go south? Um, basically, in lockdown, when they said you could bubble, um, I... You know, moved down to Cambridge. Well, I didn't move to Cambridge, but I've stayed in Cambridge and didn't sort of go back for a bit because um, my boyfriend's down here. So, right. um, and he's a really good keyboard player, and it's really handy to have a really good <laughs> keyboard player around. <laughs> uh, that explains the uh, shed session. The shed session. Well, yeah. So, like, with this, well, we're probably going to get into this anyway. But the shed mm. session thing was like, I started it up north in my shed doing acoustic and singing. In lockdown. And then when I came down here to bubble, it was like, oh, it's all different. And it's not actually in a shed, it's in a living room. So we got a backdrop off Amazon that looked absolutely naff, but it looked like a wooden shed. And uh, yeah, so we introduced keyboards into it and that were that. And then two albums later. Yeah, that were filmed, well, recorded in a wardrobe. <laughs> sorry, sorry. So I've, I've got to stop you there. Amazon do a backdrop of a shed. Oh, you can get anything. I really want a green screen and then I can start doing some really weird stuff. <laughs> I, I, I think that's beautiful. You can, what would you know? I mean, I know what you're doing with it because that makes sense, but what does anybody else do with it? Not a clue. I mean, you could put it up in your living room and pretend you're like living in a log cabin, but it's a bit, 
Yeah, you need to get some really good sticky stuff to put it on wall with a... We held it up with a ladder, a mic stand and a curtain pole. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It was quite primitive. (laughs) So we've both listened to uh, the Shed Sessions today, uh, coincidentally. And first thing I thought was, what what made you choose those particular songs? Um, Basically, because... Because I were doing the live stream thing that everybody were doing in lockdown mm. and everybody just kept requesting these songs and I were like, well, shall I record them? Oh, I might do. Yeah, it's something to put out, into it? And it mm. keeps people happy over lockdown and that. So I thought, right, I'll record them, um, which I did, and then messed up all the editing and made a right rubbish thing of it and re-recorded them about six more times. And then, um, yeah, that was why the song selection, it was just what everybody kept requesting and the, what they liked. To- did you did you know how to play some of them or was it a ton of homework for you? It was a bit of homework. You know, it were some of them I knew and then some of them people would suggest and say, oh, why don't you learn this for next week sort of thing? And I was like, yeah, all right, cool. And um, yeah, some of them were just random on the spur of the moment things that, you know, I mean, the shed sessions, were they were daft, basically. It was just me, me and my dad, basically, when I were up north or me and Jamie down here. And, you know, we'd put, my dad had put a daft dog's mask on and call himself Dog Martin and that sort of thing. So it was like, um, you know, people would suggest, why don't you do this? And mm. we'd do it. Or even like, we'd just go, oh, fancy playing a bit of Tori Amos today. Jamie, can you sight read that? And I'll just sing it and we'll see how it goes. And we'd do it on a live stream and sometimes it'd be good and sometimes it'd be absolutely terrible. But it were live and it kept people entertained for an hour a week when they couldn't go shopping. <laughs> did you did you find any artists that you didn't know really and you kind of like ended up playing their songs and really liking them? Um, not really, because I I'm really like if I like something, I get really obsessed about it. So I'm like, you know, if I get into a certain band or musician or whatever, I'll be like, right, I've got to learn that. I'm learning that album. I'm learning how to play it, sing it everything about it and um yeah so i get a bit engrossed in stuff like that the one for me uh, and i was i was in fact it was the first one i went to um because i just adore the song and i don't know if it's a song that loads of people know and i but that's uninvited which i just think is brilliant it's haunting that song. oh it's just a fantastic song and mm. you did an incredible version of it but that was the one that straight away i was like piqued my interest because it was like that's the song i think oh I'm in a, and there's not many people know that song. I'm sure mm-hmm. there's millions of people who know that song, but and I'm sure that you are great. But somehow I think that's one of those ones that's not very common, really. Yeah, I think, well, whenever you say Alanis Morissette, everybody goes, oh, it's one hand in my pocket, yeah. or it's you are, no, or it's, you know, thank you, or whatever. They never think that. And to be fair, I'm not even sure what album that song's on. <laughs> so, because I thought, oh, is it a B side? I've got a sneaking suspicion it was on a soundtrack first. I it think was, it was City of Angels, wasn't it? Oh, it was. Oh, I love that film. <laughs> That's the first place I ever heard it when I was about 12 and fell in love with it and just, yeah. And that's that's where I picked it up from. Mm. Well, there's some great songs on that soundtrack because it's also got Goo Goo Dolls on it. It's got Iris on it. Which it has. Is, again, another... And I know everybody's got to know that song a bit more. It's been called by a few people. I see Boys on a Westlife did it. But um, but first time round... In fact, that's a really good soundtrack. If you have if you never listened to City of Angels soundtrack, go and listen to it. It's great. It's a lovely film as well. I can't watch it though, it just makes me cry. So I can't watch it anymore. It's like Marley and me. 
can't watch it. Just cry. Do, do, do you do you cry in that kind of very, you know, do, do you blubber or do you cry kind of in a nice way, if that makes sense? Or are you, are you just tissues and everything everywhere? <laughs> I'm full on snotty full on crying. Blubber. Snotty. That's fine. <laughs> it depends who's that. watching. Northern crying that. Yeah, <laughs> it's like if you're going to do it, do it proper. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it depends who's sat next to me as well. If it's my mum, I can full on let rip. If it's like, yeah. you know... Somebody who doesn't know me that well. I'll try and suppress it a little bit so I don't look, you know, weak. Um, but no, I full on let rip. It's like, yeah. you know, sobbing. Yeah, that's that's what I was hoping. I was. Yeah. I kind of got that vibe from you, even in just a few minutes. Really. <laughs> Enthusiastic crying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just the whole blubbing thing. Just the whole proper kind of, you know. Yeah. Full on snot. Yeah, full on. Full packet of Kleenex. Yeah, yeah that, that's the one. That's the one. <laughs> Um, should we go back to the beginning? Like, what, should we go and should we go all the way back? So you're you're Bradford. I am. Okay, which you can hear, by the way, for those of us <laughs> who from from up here, you can hear it. Um, now, was it Leeds College of Music? Is that where you? Okay, so when did you first realise that music was going to be the thing? Because that's a that's a decision. What sixteen, eighteen? Um, I it's probably before that. To be fair. Um, I mean, I started playing at three, so it was always something I was really interested in. Um, And then I went through, obviously, education and stuff like that and focused on GCSEs and A-levels. And when I was at my school, they didn't do music GCSE or A-level. So the the GCSE music teacher, she was teaching me in lunchtimes to try and get me the qualification. But then, unfortunately, she um, got really poorly and passed away. So I never got music GCSE. Not that that sounded really bad, did it? It's like she went and died and then I didn't get music GCSE. Um, (laughs) That's how I heard it. (laughs) Yeah, I made myself sound awful then, blimey. Um, So basically, it was, um, you know, I did music sort of private individual lessons um, right from being seven to 16. Then did grade eight. Um, then did A-levels, which obviously there were no music A-levels. So I did English and thought about being an English teacher, which would be terrible. I don't know. Can you be an English teacher and speak Yorkshire? I don't know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you just need a translation button on everything, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I would argue we need more English teachers that speak Yorkshire. Possibly, yeah. Actually, yeah. Um, so I did that and then I kind of, it was like one of those decisions where you sat with your mum and dad and you go, right, you can either be an English teacher or you can carry on studying and go and do a music qualification. And I was like, right, music. (laughs) I don't want to do English because I'm pretty rubbish at it anyway. So, um, so we said, right, well, let's go to Leeds College of Music and see what we can, you know, what course sort of thing I'm qualified for. Because I had, um, grade eight in guitar and I had, um, obviously, my A-levels were in normal subjects, boring subjects. Um, so I went and this is, oh, well, because you don't have music A-level, you're going to have to do a B-tech. And I was like, oh, God, here we go. So I was 18 doing a B-tech with all these 16-year-olds and I'd already been playing forever and ever and ever and playing live since I was 12. And these, the most people were sort of like just sort of just starting to you know, go to jam nights. And I was like, yeah, I've been doing this since I was 12. And and my patience probably wasn't as um, patient as it should have been, maybe. Because <laughs> um, I was there basically to get a qualification, tick a box so I could do a degree. And a lot of other people were just kind of there because it were an easy option to not have to go and do a, I don't know, something else. Well, do what you'd done. 
Yeah, basically. So I was like, right, just tick the boxes, get the grades, um, and then I can do the the um, degree in it. So did that, then did the degree in it, and that was that. Did that put you a couple of years behind then? Yeah, yeah. Realistically, I should have gone to do the degree at 18, but I ended up going at 20, I think I was. Right, so you graduated at 23. I think, yeah. Your maths is much, but that's why I'm not a maths teacher. Well, it is three years, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. Okay, fine. And that, and, and how did you find Leeds College Music? It was all right. It was, um, I mean, it's changed so much since I was there. Um, all the, pretty much all the staff have changed. Um, the buildings changed. Everything's changed. Um, when I was there, it was a bit, I don't know, it, it kind of didn't prepare you for the real world as mm. such. Um, it was all very kind of, well, this is how you copyright summer. There you go. And I'm like, well, are you not going to talk about PRS and you know, all the bits and MCPS and what's the difference and everything. So I were doing all these like dissertations that I had to do and really going into massive depth because I, I mean, I were going to like meetings for mu- music management forum and PRS meetings and MU meetings and learning everything um, because I were wanting to, well, I were out gigging while I were doing my degree. So I wanted everything sort of as um, ready to go when I left uni as possible. And yeah, they didn't cover things like that. And I'm sort of like doing all these dissertations going, well, you really should be talking about, you know, MCPS and how to get your, you know, your writing credits and how to get your royalties for this and that and the other. And yeah, um, but I think I think now it's probably a little bit more um, practical based, which is good. Not yeah. that I've been back. <laughs> <laughs> and, so- and- Sorry, Jason, final thing, and then I'll let you jump in. Apologies. Um, be- only because um, I went to university in Leeds and I spent a lot of time around Leeds, probably just before or around about the time you probably started. So what, what music stores were you hanging out in? None of them. Then? All of them? <laughs> None of them. None of them? No, no. I've, uh, it's... So being a girl playing guitar, you walk into a music shop... And I walked into a big music shop in Leeds once and I was I was trying out, I think it was PRS's or something. I walked in and I was looking at Custom 24s because I was like obsessed with Stephen Wilson and Porcupine Tree and I really wanted a green Custom 24. So I went in and asked to try one and whatever. And they're like, oh, uh, uh, do, you, do you need a plectrum? Do you know what a plectrum is? And I was like, you are. <laughs> and they're like, here, do you need a plectrum? And I'm like, you mean like this one that's got my name on it? That, that. Thing, that plastic thing that I play guitar with, yeah. And I was just like, oh my goodness me. Like, you know, it is not that rare that girls play guitar and, you know, don't patronise to say, do you know what a plectrum is, you know? Um, so I, that's why I didn't go in music shops. And I'm not a big fan of music shops because of that, probably, because I just always feel a little bit like, oh, here we go, and you walk in and somebody's playing Sweet Child of Mine again and you're just like, oh, God. So, yeah, I didn't really go in music. I was probably more um, in Leeds Market getting a gyros from the Greek place. <laughs> it's probably a better use of pub. your time. <laughs> that is really sad, though, isn't it? It I is mean, incredibly Because I don't know if that's changed much at all. I think some ways it's changed. I think it's still got a long way to go. Um, it's... It is a weird thing. It's because often you find that people are very respectful and very kind of like, you know, treat you 
as you should be treated, just normal. And, you know, that's brilliant. But then sometimes you do still get people who go, you know, oh, you're my favourite female guitarist. Or, you know, you've got competition. There's another girl playing guitar. And I'm like, well, it's not a competition. Or, you know, who's favourite? I'm a guitarist. That's it. It doesn't matter, you know, what gender I am. It's, you know, I just play a guitar. Um, so I think that still exists somewhat, but I think it has improved since I've since I were at uni and things like that. Mm. Yeah, it's kind of tied in with my pet hate that when blokes call their guitar she, I'm like, it's yeah. not a she, it's a piece of wood. It's wood. Yeah. yeah. It just it dry. What what are you going to call? I'm not going to call it anything. It, it, it's called a Les Paul. That's what it's called. It's not called <laughs> Daphne the Les Paul or anything. That's, that's quite nice though. <laughs> what Daphne? Daphne. <laughs> I was just thinking about well, Scooby well, Doo. Like, do you remember when there were those guitars that were shaped like flowers because they appealed to girls? Daisy Rock. Yeah, yeah, Daisy Rock. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm like, if it's for kids, then yes, super duper. You know, if it's for a, I don't know, a ten year old girl that's you know trying to get into music or you're trying to encourage into playing guitar, and if that's the thing that gets her going and thinks, yeah, I want to play guitar. Brilliant, super, that serves its purpose. But I think for it to just generally be marketed at females, because, I mean, the advertising for it, I remember it was in guitar magazines with adult females playing these daft-shaped guitars or pink guitars, and it's like, really? You know, (laughs) do we really need to be patronised into saying, well, you know, oh, you're a girl, you like flowers, don't you? Well, there's a nice pink guitar with some flowers on it for you. (laughs) You You're absolutely right. It's like, it's it's not, you don't get a a pink car because you're female. You get a car. Well, I nearly did. The thing is, the one thing Daisy (laughs) Rock did right, the one actually thing they did right, which which had nothing to do with the shape of the guitar, was actually the models were smaller for smaller hands. That made perfect sense. So why didn't we do that with just normal shaped guitars? Exactly. That's my point. Because, I mean, my guitar that I use, I use a Petrucci Music Man because it's small. It's small bodied. It's small neck. I have tiny, tiny hands. And, you know, it's light, so it's comfortable. And that's a perfect guitar for me as a female that's built like a female. It is a nice guitar to use and that's why I use it because it's comfortable and it's easy to play. Um, You know, whereas a Les Paul for me, it's just, I don't find it comfy and it's too heavy and I get backache by end at gig. So, you know, there shouldn't be a thing of, well, this is a boy's guitar, this is a girl's guitar because it's Mm. pink and flowery, but it has got a thin neck. But it should just be, well, some models should just be, a thinner neck you know yeah and they suit females and males because some men don't have massive hands no not at all mm. i completely agree i was going to bring up the protrude protrude oh, that, that one jace that one is <laughs> guitar because like all of the pictures of you all over um google images and everything are you playing that guitar but it says on your website that you're endorsed by prs and it was like why um, are you endorsed by music man and uh well because i bought them basically <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, the PRS thing, because I love the, well, as I said before, the Custom 24, and it was just because of Stephen Wilson, basically, because mm. I watched his DVD and we're like, oh, my God, that looks so cool, and I really want one. So that was the PRS thing, which is probably a bit of a superficial way of buying a guitar, but, you know, Not I'm a girl, all. we're superficial. No, I only buy guitars <laughs> that look good. Yeah. I was going to say, that makes you a guitarist, that doesn't make you a girl. Exactly, yeah. yeah. That's how it's, we all pick them. I know. It's just that gear acquisition, guitar acquisition syndrome. It's just like, oh, I have it so bad sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) 
Which um, it must be doubly difficult, given that you don't go into music shops. I know, but, I know. Well, the only time I go into music shops is if I can see, if they've got something specific that I really, really want and go, right, that's the guitar that I want to try. It's something unusual or something that you don't see anywhere else. I want to try that. Then I'll go in and do it. Or a pedal that, you know, is something that's really, really interesting that I'm thinking, oh, that would sound really great on my pedal board. Then I'm going to go try it in a music shop because that's the only way you can do it, really. And I hate doing the thing where you just buy online. Yeah. Because you can't try it out. and you It might sound great when somebody does a YouTube video of it, but you don't know how that's going to sound when you play it because I think so much of sound is in your fingers and your tone and your expression and the way you do things. So for me, it's like I would go into a shop and try, you know, a new pedal or whatever that comes out. But I actively try and avoid to do that. <laughs> it's just not fun for me. I watched your uh, your own rig rundown that you did on YouTube this oh, morning. Gosh. That's I, probably changed a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I did wonder. Are you still using the sweet tea pedal? I am. Yeah, I still use the sweet tea. Um, I have a really kind of basic setup. Um, it's basically I have um, a one control loop thing so that I can bring in different pedals and stuff like that. And well, basically, so I don't have to tap dance, which is easier, especially when you don't wear shoes on stage. So, <laughs> um, so I have the one control loop thing wiring to all the pedals. Then I use a sweet tea for my distortion. I use a little mini wah pedal um, because there were no more room on my board, so I got a mini one. Um, yeah, TU3 tuner, uh, a Spark Boost, uh, which is that. It's a boost. <laughs> um, what do I use? I use a, a delay. You, you got um, that. Um, oh, you were talking about you could transmit it from your phone to the pedal. It was the TC. That was it. Yeah, the TC Electronics delay. Yeah. Mm. Um, so I use that. And I use the chorus. A flashback, by any chance? That's the one, I've yes. got one down here. Ah. I've well, got, got a mini one. Do you know, well, I've got the mini flashback and the normal flashback. I don't, I've got two two delays on my pedal board, basically, because sometimes I like, mainly I use the mini one because it's just easier. Um, but then sometimes I like to just use a bit of the other one as well, just for effect. Um, and I also use the John Petrucci TC Electronic dreamscape i think it's called it's the chorus flangey type thing mm-hmm. um which i use on one song <laughs> do you know I've, I've just spent my lunch hour rebuilding my pedal board oh. <laughs> because i decided that i like i take this massive pedal board to gigs oh it's huge right yeah. and it comes in a flight case and everything and it's a, it's brilliant but it's a pain in the bum and i'm like well when i'm gigging i use a tu3 a boost and a drive, and yeah. that's it. What? Uh, and I've got um, a boss vocal effect thing. Yeah. And I was like, why don't I just build a pedal board with four pedals on it that I can just stick in a bag, sling it over my shoulder and carry it in rather than, you know, requiring like a forklift to get it out of the back of my car? <laughs> yeah. I, do you know, I think this is a musician thing. I think we go through this. It's like a life cycle of pedal things. Because mm. when I first started, like... Well, I got my pedal board built for me and it's one it's literally massive. It's about as tall as me. I mean I'm short, but it is probably about as big as me. This flight case for this thing. And it's got every pedal on it you could ever imagine. And I'm like, Oh, it's brilliant and I can do this, this, this and this and then I go, Oh yeah, I only use four of them. 
So then I downsized to one that's half the size. Now I'm like, can I just take like a distortion and a tuner? <laughs> and I think you go through this whole like cycle of it's got to be huge. And then as you gig more and more and more, you think, can't be bothered carrying all this. So you start out with a huge amp and oh, I really want a Rivera stack. I'm going to get one of them. And then you go, oh, no, actually, no, I'll get a combo because it's just easier. And then, <laughs> yes. then you end up getting like a speaker. And I'm now using the Victory um, Duchess, the little oh, like, the, the pedal, pedal thing. Pedal amp, yeah. Yeah, and I'm using that and I can pick it up with my little finger because it's so light. And it's like, why do I want to cart about all this stuff when I can just downsize it and basically fit it in a boot? Yeah. Nearly. <laughs> I think we always go back and we end... I'm looking at my pedal board now. And I, I think you end up with a delay pedal, a chorus pedal, a distortion pedal and a tuner. Yeah. That's... And I think virtually everybody ends up there. Yeah, back at be- the same place. Because that's the only ones I probably can't do without. And I've yeah. got a, And I've got a mini wire on there. Which I, which I quite like, but I don't use it that much. But the other three, that's it. Yeah. It is just it is just what it is. Yeah. It's it's weird, isn't it? It's yeah. I might get rid of Miniwire. <laughs> I'm quite aware <laughs> of this scenario, so I've left the original big pedal board as is and just bought a new pedal board. It's really cheap. What's it called? Ghost Fire or something. It was on Amazon. It was like thirty five quid for the pedal board. And I was like, well, that'll do. Actually, for 35 quid, it's really good. Yeah. Did it come with a backdrop of a shed? No. <laughs> oh, no, that's, that, that's in my basket. I haven't pressed order yet. I think we should find out what that is and put that actually as a link in the notes. I'm so yeah. I'm so taken by the whole concept of getting a shed backdrop. <laughs> I'll find I'll go through my history from lockdown and go. Why did I buy all this junk? And then go, oh, there's that's that bit then. Yeah, yeah, ping it across from us. That'd be that'd <laughs> yeah. be that'd be great. Yeah. That'd be great. <laughs> I was gonna ask a serious question, Jace, actually, just because I think we've strayed a little, but it's fine. Um, we've talked about guitar pedals on a guitar show podcast. Oh yes, but we don't only talk about gear on, on a do we on a guitar podcast? Not really, no. There's plenty of people doing that. Um you you got your you got your degree, obviously. Um yeah. but then I guess I'm interested in the bit now in between the two because just getting a music degree is no guarantee that you will end up being a musician, is it? No, absolutely not. <laughs> so, so, But by the sounds of things, it's almost sounding like it was predestined because it was never going to go anywhere else. So if you're gigging, if you're doing jam nights, if you're doing all that kind of stuff from the ages you were doing, was there any doubt, any doubt, that this wouldn't be your career path? Um, not really. Um, I think you always worry and you, even now i still go have i done the right thing you know i know that sounds really I stupid you're really thinking but... it now aren't you <laughs> <laughs> but you do you do you know what i mean you always think oh well what if i'd have done this what if i'd have been a vet what if i'd have done this you know and it always comes back to yeah but this is what i love doing hmm. um but you do you go through these phases of thinking well financially would i have been better if i didn't have all the expenses of being on the road you know just touring costs an absolute fortune. And you think, well, all your mates that have got normal jobs, you know, they're raking it in because they're all working from home. They don't have to leave, the, they don't even have to put pyjamas, you know, can sit in the pyjamas and wiggle a mouse for every 10 minutes or something. And you think, well, they're all consistently getting paid every month and they're all, if they're poorly, they still get paid. And you think, oh, well, I'm not, I'm self-employed and I've got tons of expenses and 
there's not a guarantee because, you know, if January comes and nobody goes out to gigs in January because they've spent all the money at Christmas, well, how do I pay, like, bills when there's no gigs? Mm. And So it's it's bits like that. You always question, have I done the right thing? Um, but I think, I mean, when I were at uni, it was a case of I put my band together and I got out gigging, um, building a following. I mean, it was on a you know, pubs, stuff like that, doing covers and then slowly introducing more originals. Um, And then when I left uni, it was like, okay, right, we need to take this more seriously now because, I mean, I couldn't gig far and wide because I I had to be in Leeds to, you know, be nine o'clock lectures. Um, But once I left there, it was like, okay, now I can go to London and do a gig or, you know, go to Scotland and do it. Um, And then we just sort of grew it and we'd already been growing it for, well, three years um, with the fan base. So then it was like, right, we need to ticket this now and play bigger venues that are ticketed. And some people will come with us, some people won't, because they'll go, well, we saw her three months ago in a pub and it was free. Why would we pay eight quid now? Um, at the time, it was eight quid. And, you know, it's it's a big risk and it's a big leap and it's terrifying because you think nobody's going to pay to see us. And then they do, because they know then that that's the only way they can see is if they're going to pay. Um and we just grew that and grew that and developed it over the last however many millions of years it feels like um, into where we are now. Is the band the same band? Oh, no. No. <laughs> no, I've had a lot of changes. Um, things, you know, things change, things evolve, people grow, people don't grow and then you have to, you know, make changes. Um, and, yeah, it just evolves and, I mean, I'm... So happy with the band I've got at the moment. They're beautiful. They're absolutely lovely, brilliant musicians and nice to work with. Um, But it's taken a while to, you know, find that sort of balance. And, you know, things do change as well. Some people are more busy. You know, they might be doing other gigs, other bands, and they have to prioritise other things. So, yeah, it always evolves. I did watch a a video because I I live in Bromsgrove and you played at the Art Tricks and there's several videos up. And I love the art tricks, weird little art centre that um, didn't survive COVID, but may well be coming back. In really? The new year. Yeah. <gasps> uh, they, uh, during COVID, it, it turned into our um, vaccination centre, mm. uh, and it, it's weird. And it's it's a weird place because it has the most unusual people play, essentially twelve miles south of Birmingham city centre. So, uh, like Jack D did like three nights there and like, oh, Jack D could probably sell out the NEC or something. Why is he playing this 200 cap venue in the middle of Bromsgrove? But the point was your bass player had the most interesting hair I think I've ever seen on that gig. <laughs> I strongly recommend you go and check it out. It's just hysterical. I've got to go back and think. Who it's like that? it got a dead Kennedy's T-shirt on. Oh, it's Colin. Yeah. And his hair was kind of like, Half of it was really long and half of it was shaved. Yeah, it's still like that now. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> it's not what I think of as a Colin, to be fair. <laughs> it's, it's definitely a Colin. But somebody came up and says, are you Skrillex? And they were convinced that it was Skrillex. And I'm like, no, he's Colin. <laughs> <laughs> but he's not your bass player anymore. Yeah. Yeah, oh, he, he is. is. Yeah. Um, so he's got like so much work because he teaches at Leeds College of Music or LCOM or whatever it's called nowadays. Mm. 
Um, so he's um, the bass lecturer there um, and also he's playing in lots of different bands and all over the country. So we he's sort of like first call bass player and then we have other ones afterwards that are sort of depths or job sherry type people. Yeah, job share. Job share. <laughs> I made You're it sound like, I mean, Asda then, didn't I? Oh, it's a job share. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's self-service bass player. <laughs> oh, that'd be so nice. I wouldn't have to get a band. I could save so much money. <laughs> Just have to do a quick audition on your way in with your ticket. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's like bring your own, isn't it? <laughs> By the way, just going back to something you just said, I hate Elcom. Do they really call it Elcom? Elcom or Elcom? It's Leeds Elcom, won't it? Conservatoire, Leeds ah, they've called right. it now. I think it's Elcon, but I don't know why they've called it that. It's oh, a bit weird. Horrible. Yeah, I still call it Leeds College of Music. Like yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. I'm with you. Um, we better talk about your awards, haven't oh. we? Oh. Yeah. There's a lot of them. There's a hell of a lot of them. I thought we'd see them actually in the background. There's that many. No, they're in garage in a box up north. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the perfect thing to do with awards. So when did you start picking them up? Was it? Did I read about early, uh, what, 2011, 2012? I think so, yeah. I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, they're, you know, they're just awards, aren't they? It's, it's nice that people vote for you and nominate you and like what you're doing. But I'm I'm always just a bit sceptical with awards. I'm just a bit like, you know, yeah. <laughs> well, me, hang it's... on a minute, though. Hang on a minute. Let's go back here. 2011, Young Artist of the Year at the British Blues Awards. 2012, Best Female Vocalist at the British Blues Awards. 2013, Guitarist of the Year and Best Female Vocalist at the British Blues Awards. And I will stress Guitarist of the Year. So that that's not just awards, is it? Yeah, it's it's lovely to be voted for. Because um, you kind of get a gauge of, well, I must be doing something right if people like me enough to vote for me. So that's mm. a nice feeling. Um, and to me, that's the more important bit is, well, even if you don't win them, it's like, well, if people have voted for you, then they like you enough to, to try and help you, which I think is a really nice thing. So that means more to me than a bit of glass or plastic or wood. <laughs> I say, you, you are. I was... I was looking through your tour dates and I noticed that you're playing Home Firth, which is where he is right now. Yeah. Uh, and and I was going through your videos, say, on, on YouTube and I, I caught you playing Purple Rain and I was like, oh, blimey, you ought to jam with Ainsley when you get to the guitar show in March because, like, he's always playing Purple Rain. And then I realised you're actually, there's a video clip of you playing it together. Yeah. And you're doing a gig together in Home Firth. Yeah, yeah. Well, we did not last year. The year before, we did a load of double header gigs, um, which were lovely. Because I've known Ainsley since I was fifteen when I first met him. First jammed with him when I was fifteen at Ripley Town Hall, and um, he's lovely. And Steph, his wife, she's lovely, and the band are great and stuff. So it's you know the double headline gigs. They were really good fun. And everywhere we went, everyone was like, "Oh, you've got to get up with Ainsley. You've got to do Purple Rain." So it kind of became a thing. Um, and his version's beautiful as well. So, yeah. And then, obviously, we're doing Home Firth next year because I think um, the promoters probably looked at it and went, oh, it did really well when they did that double-header thing. Let's put on a gig. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because like, Ainsley gets categorised as blues as well. But actually, when you listen to Ainsley's music, it's not blues either. No. Really. I think a lot of things are. I mean, it, it drives me bonkers does this blues thing because I'm not blues. I've never been just blues. You know, I might play one blues song in a blue moon ever, but 
because I play guitar and it's like everybody goes, oh, it's blues. It's like, no, it's rock. It's probably closer to prog at the moment because mm. we, you know, we're bordering. I've been, I mean, I I take a lot of absorb absorption. No, <laughs> I absorb <laughs> a lot of things that I listen to. I don't absorb physically, you know, you know what I mean. Anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I've been listening to like loads of like Corey Wong and Mark Letiri and stuff like that at the moment. So Alan Holdsworth as well is a massive influence at the moment. So I've been doing quite a bit more sort of experimental, fusion-y, almost jazz, and then rocking it up a bit to make it a bit more proggy. Um, and it's more that at the moment. And, you know, I, I don't know where this blues thing comes from, really, because we don't really do blues. <laughs> <laughs> And yet, interestingly, Ainsley won Blues Guitarist of the Year, the award you won twice on the spin. He won it the year after you. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's just, I don't know. Maybe it's nice to put things into boxes and it makes it understandable for people if you categorise something as blues or rock or metal or whatever. Um, But to me, I don't like being put in a box. (laughs) I clamber out and shout about it and go, no. (laughs) I like to do lots of different things and be diverse and keep it interesting for everybody and myself. <laughs> You've got two albums of original material and two shared sessions. Mm-hmm. Said it right again. Um, is there a third album of original material yes. in the works? Yeah, I'm working on that at the moment, writing it. So hopefully in the next sort of... Well, it's got to be out next year, else I think my dad will kill me. So, yeah, next year. <laughs> Are you going to go to a studio? Are you going to record it at home in your cupboard? Um... I think it'll be a studio because um, it's always a different vibe in a studio. You can do so much yourself, and I know with technology and stuff nowadays, you can you can make an album yourself. Why wouldn't mm. you? But it's um, it's a different thing, and also to work with a producer, you get different set of ears, you get different opinions, different ideas. And I think that's kind of a bit invaluable. That's what you're paying for, essentially, I think. Um, but it is also, since I did the last studio album in 2015, I think the I think the model of how we listen to music's changed so much. And the viability of recording an album now has become, well, you're not selling albums anymore. You, you know, you're using it as a marketing tool rather than a please buy my CD because nobody's mm. got CD players in the cars. <laughs> So I have. have you? I I love I love CDs. Oh, I'll send I, you I, one then. <laughs> no, seriously, I've I, got loads left. <laughs> I, I don't really. I've got Spotify. I've got Amazon Music and everything. Mm. And, and I I don't. I I think the only time I'm on my own a lot is if I'm in the car, mm. and that's my space to listen to music. Yeah. Um. And also, I don't think it's particularly safe to be scrolling through Spotify whilst you're driving. No. Uh, so, uh, you know, I can just put a CD in and press go yeah. and then change it when I get to the other end. Yeah, I think. See, that's that's how it should be. I think I just, oh, it is a difficult thing, I think, at the moment where, because it costs so much to make a make an album costs an absolute fortune by the time you've paid musicians the studio the producer the mastering then getting it pressed up the artwork everything else it costs an absolute fortune and mm. you think well i'm never going to recoup this just by selling cd's probably because 
it's very it is rare that people you know go oh yeah I'll get a CD or what we do find is that people buy a CD because they want you to sign something and they just want to support you they've been to the mm. gig they want to support you and give you something mm. back and you think actually that's lovely use it as a coaster yeah <laughs> it's weird I, the last gig I played I didn't sell anything at all but the one before I managed to sell two t-shirts and two CDs which, yeah uh, which was a complete surprise yeah you know i kind yeah. of base, base it on the fact that i don't actually sell anything yeah i mean realistically i think musicians still rely on merch a hell of a lot mm. because your expenses are so high if as a tour especially as a solo artist because you're not a band sharing the expenses out it's just all on you you know because it does cost so much to be on the road and for hotels and stuff it's an absolute fortune now um, since COVID, it's like, you know, when you, you used to be able to get a travel lodge room for 25 quid, now you're looking at like 80 quid and you go, I've got four of these to pay for. And, you know, you've just basically spent most of your money on some travel lodge rooms and a van. And, you know, by the time everybody's been paid, there's no left for you at the end of it. So you're reliant on merch and hoping mm. that people buy your merch and your CDs. Um, So it is a tricky thing and it's... You know, I mean, I'm as bad as anyone. I've got Spotify and I listen to stuff on Spotify and, you know, I like it because you can find new music that you'd never normally get to listen to. But I also do like to buy vinyl, which I need to stop doing because that's why I have no money. <laughs> I've just started buying it again. It, it just costs a bloody fortune. So the, the last yeah. album that I bought was 33 quid. It was a special... One album that's now been pressed as a double album, blah, blah. I really don't care. Yeah. The, the sound quality doesn't bother me that much. No. I just like having a vinyl. Well, it's because I've got a load of IKEA units that I need to fill. That's what it is. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> it's, it's having a big thing that you can look at. And also because I'm getting older and my eyesight's naff, it's like, oh, it's big, I can read it. Whereas on a CD, you like... It's sleeve notes. Yeah. It's absolutely sleeve notes. It's, it's, I think it's always kind of been sleeve notes. Yeah. Um, um, nobody ever moaned about the sound quality of CD. No. Um, you will get purists who will turn around and say that vinyl's warmer, and I get that, provided you've spent a shitload on the equipment that you're using to listen to it. Because these, you know, the 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 the, L, the players that you buy in HMV for a hundred quid are not going to sound better than a CD. They're probably not going to sound better than an MP3. To be perfectly no. honest. No. So then it becomes about the thing. It becomes about the thing, and I think it then becomes about the notes and the artwork. It is because the notes and the artwork got lost when we went to CD. They just they just got lost as as, as a concept, as a thing, as part of the actual overall experience of a, of a creation of a piece of art what disappeared with were the notes and the and, and the artwork and i think that's come back massively and i think that's absolutely to be applauded because if you go to the 70s you know probably early 80s but certainly 70s some incredible works of art mm. were you know were, were around were around albums so i think in that respect it's it's fantastic which brings me to the question which is i was just looking at your your um, shop on your website and there doesn't appear to be any vinyl on there. So for a vinyl lover, why are you not producing vinyl? Because it's of your expensive. Albums? Is that is that is it just literally that? Yeah, it's it is so expensive to manufacture, and the lead time on getting it manufactured as well is ridiculous. 
it's months and months. Um, mm. Or that's what we've been told from whenever I've inquired about getting it done. And it just costs such a lot of money. And it's it's a lot of money to outlay to then think, well, will anybody buy it? If you put vinyl out at 30 quid, 35 quid, is anybody going to go, oh, there's 35 quid, I'll buy vinyl? Or are mm. they going to go, mm, it's a bit dear and, you know, there's two of us come out and we've spent, you know, 18 quid a ticket and, you know, it's cost us a lot to come out by the time we've had a few drinks so we can't afford a vinyl. And you think, mm. I don't want an house full of my own vinyl. It's bad enough having an house full of everybody else's vinyl. <laughs> yeah. No, and, and, and there is something in that because I seem to recall hearing or reading something about the fact that obviously when vinyl kicked back off again, which I think was a surprise to everybody, that actually the, the the ability to produce vinyl hasn't matched the increase in demand. There aren't enough places that actually can press it um, because literally the technology... I know I know we were talking earlier, a little bit earlier on about, about Shaw. Shaw um, always used to do um, cartridges, phono cartridges. And, and at the point when vinyl was hitting its peak again, Shaw had to move away and had to discontinue all their phono cartridges simply because they couldn't get the parts and they couldn't repair the machines that they had and the amount of investment it was going to cost to carry on doing it. Because ultimately, 10 years before or five years before, the decision had been made that that market was just shrinking and shrinking and shrinking every year. You were down to a hardcore of a few people and they bought the last of the components and then said, right, that's it. We don't need any more. And then, of course, vinyl kicks off again. And so I do think... It's a real shame, but I, I, I don't think that the issue is just, I don't think there's there's just not the capacity for the no, demand. No, I mean, when you look at like, I think, was it Jack White? He made his own vinyl yeah. pressing plant hmm. because there was such a lack of plants that could actually produce all these vinyls. So he created, um, I can't remember what it's. Third yeah. Man Records. That's it, yeah. Made his own pressing plant. And you go, well, fair play to him. I can't afford to do that. So, <laughs> have you not got another cupboard you could do it in? Another not wardrobe really. somewhere. Well, no, because the the cat would want to get involved and she'd scratch him, and you know it's just not worth it. <laughs> oh, watching your cat looking at a vinyl pressing machine would be hilarious. Mm. Oh, it'd be terrible. She'd be sat on it. It'd be yeah. She'd ruin it. <laughs> I saw an advert this week on Facebook that was get your own record pressed, and it's like I'm I'm not going to get any vinyl pressed or anything and i thought but oh, a one-off would be quite cool to have mm. 99 quid for one album i was mm. like nah, i'll leave it thanks so yes. i don't think that's too bad actually as a one-off i thought it'd be dearer i thought yeah. it'd be closer maybe a couple of hundred to be fair yeah. and this is two yorkshire people who are now suggesting <laughs> that you're tight <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll just, I'll just run it through the business expenses yeah it'd be absolutely fine you get about that <laughs> <laughs> so what's next Chantal we, I think um, we, we, we alluded to the fact that there's some tour dates you've, you've got you've got tours booked all the way through the early part of next year haven't you your dates booked yeah and then obviously the album anything else coming because you mentioned when we were talking before we started about voiceover work yeah um, well basically in lockdown because we couldn't gig um, I was like I've no money I've no income because I couldn't get size grants and I couldn't get furloughed. Um, basically, I fell through the cracks because mm. I'm, because I've got a limited company for the albums and then I've got self-employed for the live work. I didn't get any any sort of benefit from the government. So I was like, right, I've no money. And at that point, I want 
um, I didn't have a tip jar thing for the shed because I was at first I was really against that. I was like, it's really scroungy. And like, you know, I just want people to watch it because they're enjoying it and it gives them something to look forward to. And I don't want people to feel like they've got to pay for it. I, you know, it's something we're all in this together and we're all having a bit of a naff time and can't go out. So it'd just be nice on a Saturday to, you know, just have a bit of fun for an hour and people join in. So I didn't put a tip jar thing. And I was like, after a few months, I was like, oh God, I literally have zero money coming in at all. I have no money to pay for anything. I can't pay for the shopping. I can't buy anything. So I was like, right, I need to do something. And so many people had said about voiceover work, um, because obviously everybody like everybody loves a Yorkshire accent. No. <laughs> um there's I I don't know if you look at, you know, TV and stuff like that and radio, but there's so many sort of regional accents advertising things. Um so I thought actually we could be onto something here. Um because I've got all the recording stuff and I've got the mics and whatnot. And I thought, well, yeah. I'll give it a go. So I went and set myself up a little Fiverr account and all this and I got loads of work. <laughs> and I was like, maybe I'm too cheap. No, got loads of work. And I was, I thought, well, actually, this is a good way of giving myself a bit of income through lockdown to pay for shopping every week and any bills that come in. And um, yeah, so I did that and then that grew and grew. And then I got a, a profile thing with like um, an online thing, Mandy or whatever it's called. And just auditioned for stuff and got our got some right good adverts. Our giraffe um, for a pancake <laughs> advert. Our our bus stop seat and a presser button for COVID adverts. So yeah, never got Yorkshire TR any broadband. Oh no, I did get a broadband one actually. It's it was plus net. I wanted to. Well, no, I really want plus net. That's the, <laughs> that's the goal. Is Yorkshire tea and plus net? That would be lovely. But no, it was for one in Hull, and they wanted somebody with a Hull accent. And I'm like, well, I don't have an Hull accent, but I mean, I can fake it a bit. <laughs> so yeah, I faked it a bit. Brilliant. I don't think anybody wants a Bromley accent for anything ever, ever. Even I watch regional news and go, oh dear God, do I sound like that? <laughs> <laughs> just, just, the best was um, Warsaw Art Gallery, uh, which is a oxymoron in itself. Um, had got Noddy Holder doing the lift, so it's all first floor. Oh my god, that's floor. amazing! That's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> there's um, there's a voiceover guy. I think he, he must be Sheffield based, but he. Um, when you ring up, there's a Sheffield music shop that actually they're a really nice music shop. I do like going in there because they're always really nice. And they've got some lovely guitars in the acoustic section. Feel free to name check them, by the way. Is that Rich Tone? Rich Tone. <laughs> but if you ring up Rich Tone, do it out of hours, like do it on a Sunday night, ring them up. And it's amazing because they've got this guy who is the spitting image, not image, sound image, sound, I'll go with that, of Sean Bean. And he's like, you've reached Rich Tone Music. There's nobody here to take your call. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's it's Sean Bean. So when I went into Rich Tone, I were asking lads behind count, and I was like, how did you get Sean Bean? And they're like, it's not, it's a bloke called Alan. <laughs> and I were like, oh, my goodness me. But if you listen to the O2 adverts on radio. Yeah, it's changed. Has it? Is it? Yeah. It's not, it's not Sean anymore, is it? Well, I wonder if it's Alan. Hmm. Mm-hmm. He's not Sean. For, for those of us, obviously, who are used to Sean's voice, 
Um, and he's a Sheffield United fan, so he's he's God as far as I'm concerned. Um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I, I noticed when that changed. I thought that's not that's somebody pretending to be Sean. That isn't Sean. No, I think it's Alan. Right. Mm-hmm. I wonder Alan. if he got a free phone. Oh, you don't. <laughs> I never got any free pancakes when I were a giraffe. Did you not? <laughs> no. They're in Asda, but I never got any freebies. Mind you, it's not an unusual career path. You've got Ian Danter, who now is on TalkSport and Planet Rock. He used to work in musical exchanges in Birmingham, and I think he got the job of doing the voiceovers for Birmingham City because if you were in musical exchanges on a Saturday afternoon... Dance would come on the intercom that would go all around the store and give the football scores as the afternoon was going on in a pre-internet, your phone will tell you if anybody scores kind of way. And someone heard him and now he's Planet Rock on a Monday night and talk sport. So maybe Alan is following in Dance's footpath and he's got career. Maybe that's what I need to do. I wouldn't have the expenses and I wouldn't have to go anywhere. I could just sit in wardrobe. <laughs> I think we should leave it there. Uh, absolutely. We, we can't top that. <laughs> Chantal, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. Uh, you must pop round for a brew when you play Home Firth. That sounds like a plan. Uh, You'll have to come um, to the gig. Oh, uh, yeah. Love to. Yeah. Love to. Well, you, if you come round for a brew in the afternoon, um, you know, toasted tea cake and all, <laughs> and uh, and and then I'll I'll pop along to the gig in the in the evening. That's a plan. <laughs> lovely, lovely. I tell you who else likes a toasted tea cake and a Yorkshire tea. That's Hannah Trigwell. Oh. Just just as a as an aside, right. she, she's she likes a Yorkshire tea and a yeah. and a, and a toast. Is tea it a current well. tea cake? Yes. Oh, that's all right then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Can't move anything. Else, can't do it without a current one. No, no. no. no you're right. Anyway, uh, thank you very much, Chantal. Uh, Jace, I'll see you next time. Uh, but before we go, we must thank... Focus Right. Is that it? Just Focus Right? No, no, no. must thank the guys at Focus Right for uh, sponsoring uh, this podcast. Mm-hmm. And thank you. anybody else while you're there? Uh, no, that's it. Done. Oh, oh, so Reverb done that? We're not thanking Reverb anymore? Yeah, we've done that. All we've right, done okay. that. Um, you know, yeah, you've had I, your I, go, Reverb. Sorry. <laughs> oh, it's part of the deal for the sponsorship of the... Um, live stage oh chuck uh, a next one in they're lovely reverb are lovely thank you reverb you're lovely <laughs> yes not quite right. as lovely as focus right but but getting there well focus right sponsor all year round don't they they do they do they're they're they're, they're blinding folks blinding folks right i'll see you next time bye Thanks for listening to 9 to 42, the podcast from the team at the Guitar Show UK. If you've enjoyed the show, then please remember to hit the subscribe button and share with other like-minded souls. For more information about 9 to 42, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at the Guitar Show UK. This has been an A Short Stories production. Hold up. 